Reading February 28, Leviticus 22, 17 to 23, 44. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. You've given it to us, Lord God, and we obey by reading it and give you all the praise and the glory. And thank you for making our lives possible in every area of life. In Jesus' name, amen. And the Lord said to Moses, Give Aaron and his sons and all the Israelites these instructions, which apply both to native Israelites and to the foreigners living among you. If you present a gift as a burnt offering to the Lord, whether it be to fulfill a vow or a voluntary offering, you will be accepted only if your offering is a male animal with no defects. It may be a bull, a ram, or a male goat. Do not present an animal with defects because the Lord will not accept it on your behalf. If you present a peace offering to the Lord from the herd or the, or the flock, whether it is to fulfill a vow or a voluntary offering, you must offer a perfect animal. It may have no defects of any kind. You must not offer an animal that is blind, crippled, or injured, or that has a wart, a skin sore, or scabs. Such animals must never be offered on the altars as special gifts to the Lord. If a bull or lamb has a leg that is too long or too short, it may be offered as a volunteer offering, but it may not be offered to fulfill a vow. If an animal has damaged testicles or is castrated, you may not offer it to the Lord. You must never do this in your own land. And you must not accept such an animal from foreigners and then offer it as a sacrifice to your God. Such animals will not be accepted on your behalf, for they are mutilated or defective. And the Lord said to Moses, When a calf or a lamb or a goat is born, it must be left with its mother for seven days. From the eighth day on, it will be accepted as a special gift to the Lord. But you must not slaughter a mother animal and her offspring on the same day, whether from the herd or the flock. When you bring a thanksgiving offering to the Lord, sacrifice it properly so you will be accepted. Eat the entire sacrifice animal on the day it is presented. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. I am the Lord. You must faithfully keep all my commandments, putting them into practice, for I am the Lord. Do not bring shame on my holy name, for I will display my holiness among the people of Israel. I am the Lord who makes you holy. It was I who rescued you from the land of Egypt, that I might be your God. I am the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. These are the Lord's appointed festivals which you are to proclaim as official days for holy assembly. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of complete rest, an official day for holy assembly. It is the Lord's Sabbath day, and it must be observed wherever you live. In addition to the Sabbath, these are the Lord's appointed festivals, the official days for holy assembly, that are to be celebrated at their proper times each year. The Lord's Passover begins at sundown on the 14th day of the first month 
On the next day, the 15th day of the month, you must begin celebrating the Festival of Unleavened Bread. This festival to the Lord continues for seven days, and during that time, the bread you eat must be made without yeast. On the first day of the festival, all the people must stop their ordinary work and observe an official day for holy assembly. For seven days, you must present special gifts to the Lord. On the seventh day, the people must again stop all their ordinary work to observe an official day for holy assembly. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you enter the land I am giving you, and you harvest the first crops, bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first cutting of your grain harvest. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest will lift up it up before the Lord so it may be accepted on your behalf. On that same day, you must sacrifice one-year-old male lamb with no defects as a burnt offering to the Lord. With it, you must present a grain offering consisting of our, or four quarts of choice flour moistened with olive oil. It will be a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. You must offer also one quart of wine as a liquid offering. Do not eat any bread or roasted grain or fresh kernels on that day until you bring this offering to your God. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation. You know, I'm never going to catch up on this. I'm just going to start reading the New Testament, for that's where we live. See if we can go faster. Moving on to Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 10, 22. <laughs> Here we go. Jesus, leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there, for he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later he will rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, What were you discussing out in the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which one of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve disciples over to him, and said, Whoever wants to be first must take the last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my Father which is in heaven, who sent me. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. Don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. If anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it will be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. 
It is better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. And if your eyes causes you to sin, gouge it out. It is better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. For everyone will be tested with fire. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourself and live in peace with each other. Then Jesus left Capernaum and went down to the region of Judea and, and into the area east of the Jordan River. Once again, crowds gathered around him, and as usual, he was teaching them. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question, Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? Jesus answered them with a question, What did Moses say in the law about divorce? Well, he permitted it, they replied. He said to a man, he said, A man can give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away. But Jesus responded, He wrote this commandment only as a concession to your hard hearts. But God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Later, when he was alone with his disciples in the house, they brought up the subject again. He told them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and she marries someone else, she commits adultery. Amen. Now, the disciples who got caught up in their constant struggle for personal success when they saw themselves as Jesus did, they were embarrassed to answer his question. They realized how disordered their priorities were in the light of Jesus' values. It is always painful to compare our motives with Christ. It is not wrong for believers to be industrious or ambitious or leaders in business, but obeying God and serving others always comes first. Most people think of obedience and service as a limitation and a burden. But what if you look it as a challenge, an opportunity to be creative? How could you be a blessing to others? What creative ways could you come up with to provide for someone in need or simply be an encouragement to them? There are so many possibilities for creatively blessing others and honoring God. Who else could you invite to join in ambitiously, serving others in obeying Jesus? Command to be the servant of everyone else. Amen. Now let's go ahead and see what the uh, the recovery Bible has to say about this Mark chapter 9 to 10, 13. I think I've read this before, but it won't hurt one more time. Mark chapter 9. 
Through honest self-examination, the father of the... Hang on, I don't see that. Mark chapter 30, excuse me. Here you go. The argument over who was the greatest in God's kingdom ran counter to everything Jesus stood for. True greatness is measured by how we serve others. That service for his disciples, including showing love for all people, even a little child. We may not be tempted to turn away from needy children, but what about the many adults who need our help? Do we turn away people who are poor, homeless, hungry, addicted? Amen. Cooperation with peace, not cutthroat competition, must characterize our interpersonal relationship. Jesus introduced his disciples to fully and peacefully accept others who ministered in his name. He approved of those who were building up the kingdom of God, even if they were not part of his core group of disciples. So must we. If we fail to do so, cause others to lose their faith, we will suffer the painful consequences. Amen. The word of the Lord. And now reading the Psalms, praying the Psalms, that is. We listen to the testimonies of God's provisions for his people, echo their declarations of trust and their determination to worship God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your testimony of your word. It is a delight to our ears. Thank you, Lord God. We declare your trust, your people trusting in you as our, our God and provider. We worship you. We praise you. We give you all the glory and the honor. Amen. Psalm 44, verses 1 through 8. O oh God, we have heard it with our own ears. Our ancestors have told us of all you did in the day, in days long ago. You drove out the pagan nations by your power and gave all the land to our ancestors. You crushed our enemies and set our ancestors free. They did not conquer the land with their swords. It was not their own strong arm that gave them victory. It was your right hand and strong arm and the blinding light from your face that helped them, for you loved them. <clears throat> you are my king and my God. You command victories over Israel. Only by your power can we push back our enemies. Only in your name can we trample our foes. I do not trust in my bow. I do not count on my sword to save me. You are the one who gives us victory over our enemies. You disgrace those who hate us. O oh God, we give glory to you all the day long and constantly praise your name. Amen. Proverbs ten nineteen. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for your word. All right, greetings for March 1st. I'm Fernando, your instructor, your journalist for our college, Bible College curriculum here. That if we do this thing, read... 1 John 1 through 5 as our basic text, and John 14, 15, 16, 17 on a daily basis out loud. And please record yourself so you can listen to yourself before going to sleep and getting on and doing this successfully for at least 30 days. Inundated in your heart over and over. I prefer that you read it for a year daily, but in the beginning, just concentrate day and night on 1 John 1 through 5 and John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Reading them out loud 
and uh, record them when you go to sleep or, or read them twice. But just what we're going to do is extract the rhema word, the spiritual word out of these. And you keep thanking God that you keep at it. And if it's not working, you can say, thank you, God. I don't feel it yet. Thank you, God. I don't feel it yet. And you keep doing it. What you're doing is you're drilling. We are drilling for love. It's going to be a geyser that's going to burst out into the heavens. And it's going to be so much water that Jesus promised us. Rivers of living water will flow out of our hearts. If we are born again and have the Holy Spirit, ask God for the Holy Spirit, infilling of the Holy Spirit, you know, and just evidence of just rejoicing and loving and giving thanks to God is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is with us. And, and if you have guilt, if you are oppressed that you lost the Holy Spirit, if you're worried that you're out of sync, out of God, and he's not listening, you're in the right place with the Holy Spirit urging you. So start thanking God and get a hold of your emotions, get a hold of your fears, get a hold and ground everything by praising the Lord for everything that's around you and do the homework, do the work. Discipline. Let us discipline ourselves to do the work and get into the Word of God and read it and get that water and do it for a year. That's the, the basis of this college. And there's other things that I'm going to read, the Faith to Faith from uh, our book, our choice of book. that we're The book that we're using right now is called Faith to Faith from the, uh, Gloria and Kenny Copeland, <clears throat> which covers a vast variety of of, of scripture that opens our eyes, our minds, and our hearts to to reveal that we're in the right place, headed in the right direction with the right set of problems and the right challenges. Thanking God that all things are possible with God when we thank God and ask for his counsel. Remember that God was mad at the Israelites because they not asked for his counsel. So our problems are our reminders to ask God for his counsel. Easy does it. Love you, man. Let's get on with it. Here we go. March 1st, faith to faith. Did we pray? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all our circumstances in our lives. We thank you for our fears. We thank you for the economy. We thank you, Father, for what's going on in the nations and the countries and the rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and all these things, Lord God, and that the second coming of Jesus Christ, Lord. We just thank you and we wait for you, Lord God, and we're busy, Lord, by thanking you for our circumstances and reading your scriptures and waiting upon Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly and be part of our lives, Lord. We surrender ourselves to you, Lord. Take us as we are. Hold us in your arms, Jesus, and fix us. Fix us, Jesus, spirit, soul, and body, that we may be one with you, Jesus, that we accept the love of the Father. We accept the care of the Father. We accept his, his forgiveness. We accept his love, and we thank you for that, Lord, and we receive it through the arms of Jesus Christ. Amen. And whatever we give to Jesus, he will fix, and it will never be a problem again. Amen. That's the promise. That's the kind of God we have, guys. We go to him, and we do all that we can, and we give it to him. Turn it over. He will fix it. 
And the basic problem is not able to open up and receive more of God's love. That's why we do that curriculum, that First John 1 through 5. And you can change it up, guys. You can New Living Testament, Amplified Bible, Passion Bible, uh, the Message Bible. You do it with different kinds of uh, translations, and you have a hundred to choose from. So you will not. Become a good student, okay? Conquer those books. I'm asking you to know each chapter, each verse, and conquer those chapters that I told you. It'll take you about 35 minutes to read through them. And the reward will be remarkable. The love of God will flow out of your heart so strong, so so much, it will flood an entire country and continent, the love of God. You, through Jabez prayer, the Jabez prayer will come real in your lives. It say, oh, that you would bless me indeed, okay? And that you would enlarge my territory, that your hand would be upon me, and that you will keep me from evil. All evil, God will cover us, and God perform what we requested. Jabez prayer. In Second Chronicles 4.10. Now remember that when we said indeed in our work, that you will bless me in my actions. Indeed, we're going forward. We're not just sitting with our welfare check, but we're working the words of God into the air, into our surroundings. We're planting ourselves in the heavens by reading 1 John 1 through 5 and John 14, 15, 16, and 17. That's what I did, folks. That's what I did for a year. I didn't think my life was going bunkers. And someone of good repute that had a lot of fruit on their tree, a lot of evidence of influencing millions of people, I followed their advice. They said, if you have problems especially financial problems. Read 1 John 1 through 5, and you'll see it. And so I did. And sure enough, we got a plan, we got a system, and everything got took a while, not that long, a year, year, year and a half, and everything was under control. No more fear of finances. No more fear of the future. No more fear if I'm in God's will or not. Everything uh, happened the way the man said. So I want you to be a testimony of this Bible college curriculum that in here you heard what you needed to hear. You, we have to do some work, folks. we got to churn and get that word of God into our hearts and discipline ourselves and stay there. I usually find out when I get pupils to do that, they, they don't see... Uh, Jesus coming as a warrior to conquer everything. In this format, you see Jesus riding on a, on a domicile donkey, a very, that eats grass and is not angry. And he's just riding in as triumphant entry into your, into your heart. And folks, I don't know what to tell you. If you bulk and you start something and then you put it out because it's too repetitious, it's too boring, or just says the same thing over and over again, you you commit it. When you commit, <clears throat> that's you commit it to me, to God, to yourself, to the universe, to everything, your circumstances, that you're gonna do it. And you you just do it, you grow up. You made a decision. And stop quacking, because I've seen the people that stop reading it. They read it for a month or so, and they, they say, oh, no, I'm going to read Moses. 
I'm going to read this. Proverbs is more stronger stuff. And, oh, man, and, and they, they, their minds cannot have the discipline to read it over and over again. And they end up worse, you know, they end up getting worse or even homeless, you know, the people we're working with. Some, hey, man, you, if you can read, you can become a millionaire. You can read. If you don't, you can, if you can can read and won't read, you're no you're no better than a person that can't read. You know, there's no education. You ever meet someone that's well read? They're extremely uh, enthusiastic, right? They got they got a, a gleam in their eye, and they're full of awareness and love life and interesting. And you ever read a person that can't that don't read? They're dull, they're complaining, they're known, they just can't wait for you to get out of their face. And There's no spiritual uh, in, encounters. I love you. I hope, I hope you, you read that. That's the curriculum here. All right, let's move on. Today's reading comes from the book, Faith to Faith, March 1st. I'm going to try and read five of them to catch up to March 5th. Here we go. Let God rub off on you from Gloria Copeland. She's using Romans 8.29 from the Amplified Bible. It says, For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning to be molded into the image of his Son and share inwardly his likeness. The Amplified Bible. As a believer, you're destined to be molded into the image of Jesus to grow in spirit until you look just like him. God's supernatural power began the process the moment you were born again. You were changed on the inside instantly. How successful you are in allowing this change to progress to the outer man is mostly up to you. We grow up spiritually, just like we grow up physically. By the way, our spirits are bigger than our bodies. Our spirit man is, is nine feet. Uh, I, you see it every once in a while. There's a strong person inside of us. What can you do to speed this growing process along? Spend more time pursuing the things of the spirit than you spend pursuing the things of the flesh. TikTok, YouTube. Become dedicated to the word of God and to follow fellowship with him. Be willing to pull aside from busy things of life and get alone with him so he can guide you, teach you, and share his likeness with you. Have you ever noticed that if you spend time around people who have strong personalities, you will automatically be affected by them? You'll find yourself doing the things they do. Their mannerism will rub off on you. You can't help it. They just influence you, especially if they are people you respect and admire. The same thing is true in your relationship with God. If you spend enough time with him, he's going to rub off on you. His ways will become your ways. So make yourself available to him, praying in the spirit, and worshiping, Lord, we love you, we praise you, we exalt you, singing songs, country songs, whatever song you can when you have a chance, and loving on him, fall in love with the Lord through worship and praise and worship. Hang around his word and the people who love his word and live it. Hallelujah. Before you know it, you'll begin to notice yourself changing. 
You'll have 25% more rapids on your step. You'll find your character becoming more like his. You'll begin to think like he does and talk like he does and walk like he does and act like he does. You'll, you'll have faith to, to go pray for that lady that's across the street that can't get walk properly. His image will begin to shine forth in you. Amen. Now, uh, they want us to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5. Let me use the Amplified Bible. I got my Bible here because I think the Word of God jumps at us a little better than the electronic one. I don't know why. I just I want to make sure I'm not missing anything, shortchanging our existence here by... The printed material, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 18. This is going to be a long day, folks. (laughs) Here we go. What, after all, this is the NIV, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servant. Who am I? Only a servant. Through whom you come to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will be each rewarded according to their own labor. For for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace of God... Has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit dwell in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are the temple. Do not deceive yourself. If any of you think you are wise, by the standards of his age, you should become fools so that you can become wise. Wow, isn't that so cool? That verse, do not deceive yourself. We are always walking with deception because we're trying to protect ourselves, our interests, and so forth. And you don't blame us, you know. We have to have self-preservations. Okay? But when we overdo it, we don't understand when we overdone it. So that's why we, we thank the God for our lives, for his counsel, and then we will know where we're at in reality. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age... You know, you're running around a nice car, nice dignities, you look good. You should become fools, okay, so that you may become wise. And then you better thank God that you're a fool because the foundation is laid so that then you can become wise. You can, when you fall down, you can only look up and you thank God you fell down 
And then you'll get up. Someone will help you get up. And you will always give that person the credit that he helped you get out of that, that pit. And you will become wise and help others out. Is this too strong for you? Let me give it to you in the Passion Translation, which I have right here. All right, looks like we're gonna, we're onto something. So it's kind of hard to go through it as fast as I wanted to. Okay, here we go. The Passion Translations. First Corinthians chapter three, I got a Bible on that. I need to start using my Bibles more. Uh, like all of us, right? First Corinthians chapter 3, Passion Translation. Starting with verse 5 to 18. Who is Apollos, really? Or who is Paul? Aren't we both just servants through whom you believe our message? Aren't each of us doing the ministry the Lord has assigned us to us? I was the one who planted the church, and Apollos came and cared for it. But it was God who caused it to grow. This means the one who plants is not anybody special, nor the one who waters. For God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. Now, the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important and on the same team, but each will be rewarded for his own work. We are co-workers with God, and you are God's cultivated garden. The house he is building, God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. Afterwards, another craftsman comes and builds on it. So builders beware. Let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards, for no one is empowered to lay an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that exists, which is Jesus Christ. The quality of materials used by anyone building on this foundation will soon be made apparent, whether it has been built with gold, silver, and costly stones, or wood, hay, and straw. Their work will soon become evident, for the day will make it clear, because it will be revealed by blazing fire, and the fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder. If his work stands the test of fire, he will be rewarded. If his work is consumed by the fire, he will suffer great loss. Yet he himself will bear escape destruction like one being rescued out of a burning house. Don't you realize that together you have become God's inner sanctuary and that the Spirit of God makes his permanent home in you? Now, if someone desecrates God's inner sanctuary, God will desecrate him. For God's inner sanctuary is holy, and that is exactly who you are. So, why fool yourself and live under an illusion? Make no mistake about it. If anyone thinks he is wise by the world's standards, he will may be made wiser by being a fool for God. Amen and amen. The word of the Lord. Let me read a couple more here. For what the world says is wisdom is actually foolishness in God's eyes, as it is written, the cleverness of the know-it-alls become the trap that ensnares them. And again, the Lord sees right through the clever reasoning of the wise and knows that it is all a sham. So don't be proud of your alliance to any human leader, for actually you are already have everything. It has been given to your benefits. You have everything. 
whether it is Paul or Apollos or Peter the rock, or whether it is the world or life or death, or whether it is the present or the future, everything belongs to you. And now you are joined to the Messiah who is joined to God. Hallelujah. Now, let us go to the, uh, let us shift gears and go to the New Living Testament and read what the Recovery Bible has to say about that. Because I think it's going to hit it over the fence, guys. It's going to dramatically increase our recovery program, our quality of life. And wasn't the Passion Translation a bomb? Wasn't it just incredibly well written? Let us thank God for the scholars and the people that have labored countless and thousands of hours to bring this information to us so we can live rightly, beautifully, the way it's state that we're all in this house or we're all in this boat together, you know, and God holds the boat up and he supplies everything we need in this SS Superdome, Jesus Christ uh, vessel that we're in. Amen. And we don't desecrate it. Here we go again. Now I'm going to read what the uh, what I just read through the uh, the recovery Bible. Okay, it says, As we progress in recovery, we are to reach out to others as we tell them about our deliverance, hoping to help them turn their lives around. These verses should encourage us, even when the message doesn't seem to be getting through. We can leave the results in God's hands. Sometimes people respond to our stories immediately and enter recovery. At other times, our words are only seeds that over time will grow and lead someone to be changed by God's power. Perhaps we are just one of many people God will use to change someone's life. One thing is sure, if we speak out, God will use us to change lives. Man, that's so beautiful. That's, that was out of verse 5 and 6. Let me read that out of the... New Living Testament. After all, who is Apollos, who is Paul, we are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us, our testimony. I planted the seeds in your heart and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. Amen. And that happened to me. I went to Alcoholic Anonymous and they planted the seed in me. And then years back, I came back because I liked the rough edge, the 80 grit sandpaper, the men, iron, Sharpen iron, men to men, telling you, you know, stand up, be of service, take a secretary position. If you think you're so tough, uh, help others. Run a meeting, start your own club, put your own money down and start your own club, start your own progress. I went to a meeting, there's 33 people in there. They tell me that on, I started it about 13 years ago. Told the wife we're going to make pancakes and invite the homeless to this meeting. And today, they they have pancakes on, on one day out of the month. On the business day, they have a breakfast. They grill it outside because they can't grill it inside the rented room. And they, have, and they have a speaker. And then they have a business meeting. They get people to go to their business meeting. It's a happening, happening all over the Northern California area meeting. It's, it's been the, the, they are powered in there and God did it. When I started the meeting, 
I, I, I walked in the room and no one was there. So I started clapping my hands and saying, let there be prosperity in Jesus' name. Prosperity to the north, prosperity to the east, prosperity to the west, prosperity to the south. Clapping my hands, walking through the empty chairs. Today, folks, there's 33 people. Hardly any breath of air, needs fresh air in there. And they've gotten so wise because of all the, the hurts that had happened because of COVID. You know, instead of giving all their money away, they saved it. So in case that happened, they have three treasuries. They're, they're intelligently running the business uh, with a prudent fund so no one would die. You say, oh, yeah, empty the bank account. They're going to steal it. Big deal. What about if they don't steal it? Okay. You got three people handling the account. And they're by, they got, they, with their account and their savings, they were able to save an Alana club. They loan money to the Alana club who, who pays the rent on the rooms and you have NA that couldn't pay. And then you got AA, other groups in the evening. Our group comes in at nine in the morning. And you know what? They told me they didn't want my group there. They told me that God cannot even pay the bills. I told them, God will help me pay the bills. And they said, God can't pay the bills. One guy got in my corner and goes, why do you want to start a group? Who are you? By what authority do you want to start a group in the morning? And I said, well, it's because it's, it's, it's the right thing to do. You got an empty room here. And you guys are using it in the afternoon and the evenings. But no one's coming in the morning. And I like the spot 9 a.m. to 10. And I like to rent it $20 an hour. They gave it to me. I paid in advance. And they, they, the people, the other people complained to the Atlanta club and said, why did you give them the room? And they said, well, we can do whatever we want. We're not having enough money to pay our rent, our bills. We need the resources. And today that meeting has saved. And this is the information I've gotten from other people that saw me build the, and struggle living almost 400 miles away and starting a group. Anyway, I'm talking too much. Let me get back to the reading. And uh, thank you so much. I just wanted to give God the credit that he, the sanctuary of God was built strong and lives are being saved. I don't know much, but I know this one thing. Read the big book, dummy. You have a problem? Read. Problem, problem with alcohol? Read the big book of Alcoholic Anonymous, the first 104 pages, or 164 if you like, but read it and get it into your arms, get it into your heart and your mind, and alcohol will never be a problem again. Stupidity and foolishness will never be a problem again. Amen. I've been drinking a lot of coffee, guys. Excuse me for being taking it in that route. Let us get back to the rest of the reading. Uh, on verses 13 to 15, it says, oh, you ever been to a Bible study like this? 13 and 15 say, what does it say? But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, <clears throat> the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Amen. <clears throat> Many of us struggle with denial because the truth is so painful. We avoid the truth about our sins so we won't have to make difficult changes in our lives. 
But no matter how much we hide from our mistakes, in time they will come back to haunt us. Allowing our dependencies to continue unchecked will lead to painful consequences. Here we are permitted that those consequences continue into eternity. A day of reckoning will come. Have we put our lives in God's hands? As we turn our lives over to Him, He will help us build on a solid foundation. When the day of reckoning arrives, we will be standing. Amen. Beautiful, huh? And concerning uh, verses 18 through 20, that says, Stop deceiving yourself. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God, as the scripture says. He traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they are worthless. As I'm reading this, I remember that um, that they busted a congressman on his underwear with uh, in another town drunk with a, with a whore, with a prostitute. And he just messed up all his wisdom and everything he had. A congressman. That's what, that's what got to my mind. He traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. Okay. Now reading uh, the, uh, the recovery Bible says, and that it is possible for intelligence to hinder progress in recovery. As we analyze the steps we are asked to take, we may find them somewhat foolish or demeaning. The truth is, sometimes following God's plan will not make perfect sense to us. We may wonder how entrusting our lives to God can change anything. We might even find that following God's will is embarrassing at times. True understanding often happens only as we take steps to obey God's program for healing. We may be better off throwing aside our need to analyze and understand so that we can experience God's healing power through simple faith and obedience. Did you hear that, folks? We need to thank God when we don't understand. Thank God for the toughness of the program. Thank God that we have to do and look at our past and our denial. Thank God that we don't know it all. If we think we know it all and we made a commitment to go through this and now we're backing up on our decision, start thanking God that you can do this. Thanking God. If it's if it's Thanking God that it's too simple. I used to think that it was, it was too simple. Eight and ninth grade. The reason, one, there was a blockage there. I started thanking God for the simplicity and broke through and realized that I had a lot of denial problems, a lot of anger issues, a lot of uh, irresponsible. Or I had a lot of good intentions that, that were getting in the way of my reality. You ever have good intentions of getting away? Yes, we do. Let me read this again. Uh, some of it. True understanding often happens only. What did I say? True understanding. You know, the, the, the more closer we get to truth, which is God, the more understanding we have of our failties and our wrongs and, and, and our position. In true humbleness, it knows that we were created by a power greater than ourselves. That's true humbleness. And we give that true humbleness fear, respect, that they can stomp on us like a bug and they don't they keep giving us mercy and then we get keep taking advantage of the mercy and then we become what do we cut more demanding 
True understanding often happens only as we take steps to obey God's program for healing. Okay, obedience in taking steps to God's program for healing. This is where a man becomes a man, a woman becomes a woman. When they obey, regardless of what their mind is telling them, they go obey and they say, I'm going to get through this program even if I fail. Even if it kills me, I'm going to get through this program. I don't usually use that word kill, but that's the kind of commitment you got to make. I'm going to do this no matter what. I'm going to pass if I get foolishly, if I look foolish, act foolish, talk foolish, I'm going to get through this program no matter what. Okay, I'm going to tell someone my fourth and fifth step no matter what. I'm going to get this out of the way no matter what. Okay, We may be better off throwing aside our need to analyze and understand so that we can experience God's healing power through simple faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. Whew. Faith is from God, the love of God. Obedience gives us love. And love gives us faith. Only obey is a happier, softer way. Let's go ahead and pray. That's the end of this segment. Thank you for coming on today's segment. I've been drinking a lot of coffee. I went for a walk. And I'm grateful to be here and be alive and be your journalist of what works in our lives. In Jesus' name, let's go ahead and pray. The Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. He's coming back, folks. It works when you work it. Thank you, everyone. God bless you. Give them heaven. Reading of Mark chapter 11, Jesus' triumphant entry. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent to them on ahead, go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and found the coat standing in the street, tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying the coat? They said that Jesus had told them to what to say and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their garments over it and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches they had cut off, cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessings on the coming King of our ancestor David! Praise God in highest heaven! So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with his two disciples. Let's go ahead and say that together. Let's bless the Lord by saying, Praise God. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in highest heaven. Amen. Verse 12. The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs, but there was only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say that. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus was, had done, they began planning how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. That evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you curse has withered and died. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you receive it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Again, they entered Jerusalem as Jesus was walking through the temple area the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders came up to him. They demanded, By what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right to do them? I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. If you answer one question, Jesus replied, Did John's authority to baptize came from heaven, or was it merely human? Answer me. They talk it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven... He will ask, why didn't we believe John? But do we dare say it was merely human? For they were afraid of what the people would do because everyone believed that John was a prophet. So they finally replied, we don't know. And Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. Amen. Now, God wants us to pray for his will to be done in our lives as much as he wants us to pray for fruitfulness in the kingdom work. It is God's will, however, to remove mountains of resistance or denial from our lives. God has the power to do miracles, but not if we doubt him. The God of the kingdom and of recovery is the God of the impossible. If we want God to work a miracle of healing in our lives, we must pray and believe that he will. We need to admit our helplessness and put our lives into God's hands. 
he then will walk with us. He will walk with us and we, as we face each new step in recovery. Amen. And I <clears throat> recommend that you read and stay in the new gospel till you you see Jesus at a different light, till you feel the love of God coming through the scriptures. Because Jesus said in John uh, 8.32, I believe, he said, My word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And he also said, My word is spirit and life as I speak it out. So that's why we're, when we read it, we read it out loud and we, we let the word transform us. And that transformation will add to the love of God. And faith, work it out of love. <clears throat> faith moves mountains. With faith, we can have confidence who we are in Christ Jesus and not be disturbed by the drugs, the alcohol, uh, anger. We just stop fighting everything and everyone. And we praise and we thank God for the situation just the way it is. We let God be bigger than our fears, bigger than our situation by what by thanking God and not resistance the thing that's coming against us. If I want to drink, for instance, I'll say, yes, you bet. Praise God. I thank God for the temptation to drink that it wants me to drink. And I bring in God into the scene. I don't try to resist it with my own power. And then the desire goes away. The truth shall set you free. God is the truth. Jesus is the truth. We acknowledge it over the situation. Exclamation point. Over the problem. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. And thank God. I love you. Thank you so much for coming on today's reading. Let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for the situations that we become addict really easy, subconsciously, emotionally, physically. We get hooked up to things that are not good to us. We thank you for those problems, and we thank you for life just the way it is. Thank you for keeping us in your hands and fixing us, Lord Jesus, we ask in your name. Amen. Amen, family. Thank you for coming in today.